good one, right? And you know Ant-Man can fight. Am I right? That guy can fight. Ant-Man, we think Ant-Man is so small, that superhero, but that Ant-Man can fight. So, do you know that the fact about Ant-Man can fight, but do you know, how many of you know about the fact about red and black ants? Let me show you this picture. The red and the black ants. This is the fact that I just recently found out. The fact about red ants and black ants, do you know that if you collect, if you collect 100 of black ants and 100 of red ants, all right, and put it in the jar, and nothing will happen. Nothing really happen. They will just go along with each other. I mean like, hey, bro, I'm like black and you are red. And nothing will happen. But if you take the jar and shake it violently and put it on the table, this is what will happen. They will start killing each other. Because you shake the jars. The black things that the reds are their enemies. The red things that the blacks are their enemies. But actually the fact is the real enemy is the one who shook the jars. So it's the same thing. The same thing is true with the society, with us. Sometimes man versus woman, you know, blacks versus whites, the races. Okay, parents versus children, husband versus wife. Before we fight each other, we should actually ask ourselves this question. Who is really shaking the jars? Who, who is the one shakes the jars? That's the real enemy. You know, everybody says, everybody believes in this place. We are strong when we are together. We are strong when we are united. Husband and wife, when we are united, we are strong together. Together stronger. You know, nothing is impossible when two or more of you agree, believing and doing something great. Nothing is impossible for them. We have seen how true this principle is in the Bible. We can, I can take one example, the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel uh, where the people wanted to build a tower to reach toward heaven. God said nothing could stop them, even if they had wrong intention or wrong motivation, right? Nothing could stop them until God needed to stop them. Alright, so if we could agree and unite to build something that lasts in our lives, nothing could ever stop us. But the thing is, the devil will not just stay put and do nothing, watch on the sideline and do nothing. No, he will shake the jar. You got my point? You can be united to build something, do something, but be careful there's someone who shakes the jars. So the Bible says, John 10, chapter 10, that the thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one who shakes the jars. The devil's agenda is destruction. His strategy is division. And his tactic is offense. Definitely, he doesn't want to be united. He definitely doesn't want all of you to be in one agreement. The devil's agenda, John 10.10, 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His agenda is for destruction. His strategy is division, to divide all of you. And his tactic 
is offense. In any relationship, offense could happen. Happens in the church, happen in the family, happen in the friend, best friend, happen husband and wife, parent and children, etc. Offense is the devil's tactic. The word offense comes from the word scandalon. Everybody say scandalon. It's like the word scandal, right? Which means a trap. Everybody say a trap. It's a trap. A trap. Offense is a trap that the devil is using for us to trip into a fight that divides us and eventually destroy us. You know, the Bible says anyone, any family, any house go against itself cannot stand. The same thing. His strategy is to divide us. Scandal is a trap. Offense can be, should start something very small. Offense comes into our life very, very small. It is so small that we don't realize it is a trap. A trap is a trap if we don't realize it's a trap. Can I repeat that again? A trap is called a trap if we don't realize it's a trap. If you know that's a trap, you will just go around to the sideline and try to avoid it. It is so small that it comes into our life that we don't realize it's a trap. And we take the bite. And we are imprisoned by the offense. It could be something that, oh, we, we just forget the birthday of our spouse. You forget to face small, something that is small. You forget to greet somebody in the church. Uh, somebody, I, I often forget somebody's name and I forget someone's name and you get offended. Something is really small. Offense starts with something really small. Trap is no longer a trap if we know it's a trap. Once we are trapped, we let go of our freedom. We are imprisoned by offense. So here is my title for the day. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Let me read to you Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do. In other words, Jesus is saying, I guarantee, Jesus is saying, I guarantee that offense will come into your life. It will come. It's not a question of if, it is a question of when. It is part of being a breathing human being to be for offense to come. Meaning your spouse will get on your nerves. You're, you will get offended. Just a small thing of a text message just happened to me a few days ago. You will get offended when someone cut corners in front of you when you drive. You will get, it will happen to you, you get offended when you are being ignored. You get offended because of the tone of your key talk back to you. You get offended. But the Bible says, Luke chapter 17 says that it is impossible for offense not to come your way. It will come. Because an offense and being offended are two different things. Let me repeat it. The offense is what happened. Being offended is our reaction. It's two different things. An offense is an event. 
but being offended is a decision. Jesus said, offense will come to you, husband and wife, but being offended is your choice. It's an optional choice. It's two different things. Do you notice, have you noticed recently that we live in a world, we live in an age of perpetual offense? Meaning everybody is offended about everything all the time. You come to church, you're not excluded. You get offended. Everybody actually, everywhere is perpetually offended about everything all the time. We get offended easily by minor things. For example, okay, we put it into, into perspective here in this area. Let's say an usher asks you to come down from the top, second level to go down because you need to fill up this place first, then you go up. Then you, be, you feel like offended. The church is lucky enough. I come to the church, man. For example, you come walk in into the church and nobody greet you. Your pastor doesn't greet you. You get offended. I forgot your name. You get offended. You propose these brilliant ideas in the ministry. Oh, this ministry will work. But unfortunately, majority of the vote doesn't go with you. You get offended. And you go outside. You mean you left the church thinking, oh, you want to bring these brilliant ideas to somewhere else. You get offended easily. Offense is what happened. Being offended is our reaction. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. And before that, the reason it's so hard for you to stay happy is because it's so easy for us to get offended. You know? It's the reason we are so, it's so hard for us to stay happy. It's because it's too easy for us to get offended. So if you want to measure today, if you want to measure, is to measure how high is the offend ability that you have right now. Are you easily offended by the things around you or just pass? That will determine how happy you will have in your family, in your marriage, in your church, in your community. All right. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. All right. Let me read it to you. This is what Jesus said. And then many will be, what? Offended. Will betray one another and will hate one another. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, a brother who is offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Meaning, if you are a soldier, it's better, it's easier for you to win a battle than to win back your brother. And a quarrel with brothers are like the bars of citadel. Meaning, it's just hard to break through it. So, if you notice a brother, a family, offense is always in the context of relationship. Offense is always in the context of relationship. Or in other words, the relationship, our relationship is always the context of offense. We don't get offended in isolation. If, unless you are. If you are isolated, you won't be offended. If you don't have friends, you won't be offended. If you don't go out, you will not be offended. But if you are 
in a relationship, there is a chance we get offended. The closer the relationship, the greater the opportunity for you to have intimacy. The more intimate for fellowship. But it is also the greater for you to get offended. The closer we are, the closer I am with Sony, more likely I get offended by him or he got offended by me. The closer the relationship, the greater the opportunity for intimacy and fellowship, but also the greater for opportunity for offense. That's why we are hurt the most by the people who are close to us and not the unknown people on the street. I mean, you can be offended by the people on the street. You drive and someone cut you, cut corner right in front. You get offended, but it, will unlike, it is unlikely to grow into bitterness. You just, all right, you might want to swear or whatever, but that's it. But if you are close, you have somebody that is so close, husband and wife, if you don't settle with offense, that offense will turn into anger. If you don't settle with that anger, the anger will becomes resentment. Resentment. Resentment will become into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness it will turn into hatred. That's why no wonder last time we found a couple who is so loving, but at the end, hating each other. Because of offense. You know, there's a joke talking about the spouse. Some say something like this. For couple before marriage, ah, it's opposite a track. You like coffee, I like tea. It's just opposite a track. You like doing that, I like doing that. It's just opposite a track. But after marriage, it's opposite attack. Why do you always disagree with me? It's just two different thoughts. Okay? So today, what I want to share with you is this. What do we do with offense? Right? It's something that is minus, small, we ignore all the time. We, we focus more on how we build something that lasts, how we do something great, but there's something that could destroy our effort on building things. That is offense. There is the devil not sitting on the sideline. He will shake the jars. His tactic is with offense. So what do we do with offense? How to deal with offense? Number one. All right. Are you following church? Number one. Number one is to forgive quickly. To forgive. Everybody say forgive quickly. You can forgive, but you forgive one year later, it's not going to work. You need to forgive quickly. To be quick in releasing forgiveness when the offense is small. It's still small. The best time to deal with offense is when offense is still small. If we let offense linger too long in our hearts, small things become bigger things. Offense will become anger, like I mentioned. If you don't deal with anger, anger will turn to resentment. Resentment meaning you put in your heart grudges. Grudges will turn into bitterness. Bitterness is not good. Not good for your soul, not good for your health. will turn to bitterness. Bitterness will turn into unforgiveness. I will never forgive that guy. 
He did that to me. Unforgiveness will turn into hatred. I hate that guy. I like going to church. I love God, but I hate that guy. That's why I don't go to church. I hate that guy. Because we don't settle it quickly. Any offense that happened in the community, in the church, in the family, in marriage. We need to release forgiveness when the offense is still small. You know, sometimes we think about forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness is about justice. How many of you think that? Forgiveness is about justice. No, forgiveness is not about justice. Oh, un- until justice is served, until he realizes he is at wrong, then I will forgive him. No, forgiveness is not about justice. Forgiveness is about freedom. Everybody say freedom. It's about freedom. You release forgiveness. You are the one who become free. You are the one who will be set free. Forgiveness is not about justice. It's about freedom. When you release forgiveness, you set yourself free. Amen? Without forgiveness... Without reconciliation, our soul, we will never be at rest. Our soul will never be at rest. Our mind will never be at rest. You can be each other, husband and wife, but you don't talk. Your mind, I don't want to talk to him, will not be at rest. Your body will not be at rest. I explained it to a time when even the heart feels like tight because you have grudges. How many of you experienced that? I mean, no? Nobody? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, somebody is honest, open, and transparent. Uh, yeah, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect your mind, your soul, and your body. Offense is the devil's trap that imprisoned you. Forgiveness is the key that opens the door to be free. Amen? That's the only way to be free. Forgiveness is not about the person whom you forgive. Oh, enak aja lu. Forgiveness is not about the person whom you forgive, but it's about yourself. You are the one who is trapped. Who is trapped. Okay, now I want to play with word, okay, with letters. To forgive there is the word give. To give. To forgive means to give. To let go. To release. Whatever in your hand. If you hold people's throat in your hands, you have to let it go. You have to give. You have to release it. That means to forgive. To forgive. How many of you know about this monkey's trap? I want to show you these pictures. Monkey's trap. The traditional way, one of the traditional way to catch a monkey is by using a monkey strap. If you, if you live in Kampong before, there's a monkey trap. If you went to Bali, if you go to Bali, you will see a lot of monkey. One of the way to catch monkey, you use monkey strap, which is to put a banana into a bottle whose mouth is big enough for the monkey's hand to go in. But it is the mouth is too small enough for monkey's grip and the banana to go out. As long 
as long as that monkey do not release his hand of the banana, he is trapped. To forgive is to let go. To forgive is to give. To forgive is to release whatever things in your hands. You need to let go. To forgive is to let go. Everybody say, to forgive is to let go. That's the only way to be free. That's the only way to be free. When you are, you are offended, when you are offended, you are trapped. The only way to be free for you is to release, to let go, to forgive, meaning to give the person go. This is one I want to close with this first point. Offense will not, will not let you go. You have to let it go. Come on, point somebody next to you. You have to let it go. Offense will not let you go, sorry to say. But you, point it to his face, point it to her face. You have to let it go. It's a trap. We think when we hold on to it, justice is going to be served. It's a trap. It is you need to release it. Amen? So, now I'll bring it back to perspective of the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is a symbol of love and forgiveness. The cross has always have two beams, meaning there's a vertical beams and there is a horizontal beam. The vertical beam represents aphesis in Hebrew, meaning the forgiveness of sin from God to man, all right? Vertical beam. But the cross is not a cross if there is no horizontal beam. The horizontal beam symbolizes or represents afiemi in Hebrew, which means forgiveness between man to man. God's love and forgiveness is not only a gift to be received vertically from God to us, but also to be forwarded to others horizontally. That's the cross. That's the cross. You cannot receive the forgiveness of sin from God without us as a Christian extending the forgiveness to others. That is why there is a parable in the Bible, the parable of the unforgiving debtors in the Bible. It's about the king who forgave the man for owing million dollars. The king forgave the man, let the man go, and his family go without paying any single penny and without rotting in the jail. Let them go. A million dollars debt. But the man, after he left the king, he went to the servant who owed him just a few thousand dollars and demanded that man, that servant, to pay everything in full until, until full. And he placed him in the jail. And you know what happened? The king heard it and canceled the first forgiveness. As a Christian, we cannot just receive the first forgive, the forgiveness of sin, the practical beam of the cross, without extending horizontally the forgiveness to others. We cannot have the cross with just one practical beam. We need the horizontal beam. The horizontal beam. Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant. 
Peter asked Jesus this question. How many times do we need to forgive our brothers who sin against us? Jethro, sometimes your brother like to, you know, annoy you, right? How many times do you think you need to forgive your brothers? How many? How many? According to the Bible, if a brother sins against you, all right, the Bible says you need to forgive 70 times. Seven. It's not 77. It's 70 times. Seven. Now, the revelation that I want to give to you, when Jesus said 70 times seven, Jesus is not referring for you to keep the score. It's about you losing the count. You got it? Jesus' intentions about that numbers is not for you to keep the score. Oh, now my brothers is already sinned against me for 154. How many more to go? It's not about you keeping the score. It's about you losing that count. Amen? Because it's not about how many times we set that offensive people free. It's about you set yourself free. Amen? It's about yourself. And I pray as I speak and you listen, the Holy Spirit will remind you today. Will remind you to settle matters with your brother, to settle matters with your, even with your pastor, even with your spouse, even with your parents, with your kid who talk back. I don't know. That Holy Spirit will remind you to settle matters and then offer your sacrifice to God. That's important. Number one, to forgive quickly. Number two that I want to share with you, how do we deal with offense? My message today is really simple. Number two, how do we deal with offense to forget completely? Forgive and forget, all right? To forget completely. The offense might happen in the past, but if you don't drop that matter in the past and you carry them with you into your present, your hurts, your wounds will never get Heal. All right? You will never get healed. Let me show you these pictures. All right? Don't take offense. You see that pictures? Meaning you got to drop, the moment you are offended, you got to drop that offense. Meaning you have to drop it behind you. You have to forget that offense completely. You got to drop it. You got to leave it behind you. You got to drop it. You got to forget it. If you don't forget, the offense that hurt will never get healed. Will never get healed. You are trapped and prisoned by the past offense. Offense that happened in the past need to be forgotten. Otherwise, we'll destroy ourselves, our life, and our future. How many of you? get irritated by the things in the past that happened. You think that it's already done. You think even the guy that offended you probably already forgotten about you. But you still have that grudges for the things that happened in the past because you don't forget it. You still remember it. 
Now, very interesting, I want to show you one thing, what I, I found out about the forgetting curve of our mind. Let me show you. The forgetting curve of our mind, how our mind works, all right? Our mind will eventually forget of any event. Everybody say any event. As time goes by, that's natural, all right? We will forget anything that happened as time goes by. Even if, let's say, I preach now about offense, the moment you go out and have lunch, you forget. That's natural, all right? If you don't try to remember it. But this is what I want to show you, the next curve, all right? Our mind will remember the details of an event if we keep reviewing it. The first occurrence, the first events that happen, that's the curve. But the moment, one week later, you review it, what happened? Okay? You review it the second time, the third time. It's going to be constant as if it is just like yesterday, what happened? That is why you can go to a date with a lady for a candlelight dinner. Oh, my, my wife is here, I just come back. You can have, you can go out with your, 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 your partner for a candlelight dinner. Eat nice dinner, you, you put on your best clothes, okay? And then uh, you, you, you eat the best food, stick, wine, dessert. You are, you're having the best time of your life. But suddenly, he, she, 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 she tear up. Tears running down her cheek. It's like, what happened? I remember what you did in 2018, an anniversary date. I was like, Jesus, we are in 2021. What happened? Because if you keep reviewing it, you keep reviewing it, it just happened just like yesterday. My point is, to forget completely is not to have a memory loss of the event. To forget completely means is to not review if you review what happened, if you review that offense, my hubby did this, my hubby did that, my wife did this, pastors did that, the pastor failed to do this, my church, my best friend. If you keep reviewing it, it's going to haunt you. It's going to haunt you. Now, I want to point back to Jesus. I want to point back to the cross. When Jesus was hurt and killed, more than just being offended by people. Seriously, Jesus was like being punched hard in the face, stripped down, persecuted hardly, nailed to the cross and hanged to death. It's more than just being offended. But when he showed up after he raised from the dead, when Jesus raised from the dead, he showed a few people. He showed the doubtful Thomas who said, I won't believe Jesus is alive, Thomas said. He showed the doubtful Thomas and the disciple his hand, peace wound, that has turned into a scar. Everybody say a scar. It's no longer a wound. There is a whole world different between a wound and a scar. 
A scar means I'm already healed. That's it. A wound is still keep hurting you. It's still hurting. To forget is, this is my message, this is my second point. To forget is to get healing, to turn the wound that you have into a scar. Into a scar. I mean, seriously, Jesus could have removed his scars, right? And come back from the dead and without any scars in his hand. Look, Mark. No more holes, no more nails, no more hurts. But yet, Jesus chose to have the scars. Why? Because the scars is important to God. God can use the scars. God can use the things that hurt you in the past and become a purpose for today and for your future. God can use the scars in your life. To bring people pointed to Jesus. There's a glory in there. Glory to God for that. But that will only happen if you forget. Get healing. To turn your wound to scars. It's a choice. Forget is not to lose a memory of the event. But it's to not refuse what happened. Why? So that you can get healed of your wound and turn it into a scars. As a Christian, we don't need to be someone perfect without scars, without any, you know, blemishes. We can come up free. We can come up honest. I got scars in the past, but I am healed. I'm drug addict in the past, but I am healed. So now I point you to Jesus who got me healed. Amen. The scars doesn't hurt you anymore. God can use your scars from hurt in the past to bring glory to His name. Your deepest hurt in life can be your greatest ministry in your life. You think it wastes your time. You think somebody hurt you and like you are the victim, but God can turn it around. If you're willing to forgive, release the forgiveness, and to forget, get healing. Turn the wound into a scars. A simple message today about heart and practice to forgive and to forget. To forgive, let me just recap. To forgive, give, give is to give. To let go, to relieve the person's throat from your hand. You set yourself free. To forget is to get healing. Turning your hurts and wounds into scars that's no longer hurting you. Forgive and forget, it may not change your past, but it gives your future a chance. Amen. Let me, I want to close with this and let's read this together. All right? Let's read this together. Ready? Okay? Husband and wife, make sure the husband reading and, and, and read it loudly. And so is the wife. All right? Two, three, go. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. Two, three, go. The first to forget is the happiest. How many of you want to be happy, be joyful, forget? Do not refuse it. How many of you think that you will be the strongest 
person in a relationship to forgive quickly. Amen? And the bravest in your relationship is to apologize. It doesn't matter to keep the, the, to, not to keep the score. Are you apologize? I apologize first the last time I checked. Now it's your turn. I'm waiting for you to apologize. And the first one to apologize is the bravest. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's just stand on our feet. Father, have your way. Thank you for your precious word. Allow us to live differently, better than the way we come in to this place of God. We are the people who has received your love and the forgiveness of God. And so we will extend your love horizontally. We will extend your forgiveness horizontally to others, oh God. I want to pray for some of you who still hold grudges. You take offense. You are offended by anyone in your life. It could be your spouse. It could be your dad. It could be your mom. It could be your brother. It could be your sister. It could be your best friend. Or it could be your pastor for not doing things you expect him to do. Whatever. If it is you, just respond to the word of God. The word today, the word of God today is to give release, to let go. Release forgiveness. I want just respond. If it is you, just respond in a way that you can to God. A simple nod, a simple lifting up your hands. Anything you respond that you want to release. And you, because you want to be set free. The word of God for you is to let them go. Let the offense go. To release them. By doing so, you set yourself free. Choose to forgive today. Choose to forgive today. I pray for reconciliation will happen in Jesus' name. I pray for forgiveness, releasing people's free from any bondage, from any prisons of offense. I want to pray for some of you still carry the offense, the grudges, things in the past. You don't get healed because you don't forget it. You don't drop it. You carry it with you. Things already move on, but you don't. You don't get healed. You use your hurt as your reference for your future and your present. Today, God's words wants to heal you, to drop it. Drop the matters completely. Forget completely. He makes things, all things new. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray for your people. As we stand here in your presence, we want to release forgiveness. We let go. And we want to get healing to come into our lives. Seal your word, O oh God. Seal your word, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's lift up both our hands and receive the blessings from the Lord. May the love, the forgiveness that flows from the Father keep flowing into your life. The grace of Jesus Christ that uphold you whatever that you did, whatever that you don't do, whatever that you fail to do, grace of God that upholds you. 
the anointing and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remains with you. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. And happy Sunday.